This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time for Emergence News on Plains FM 96.9, citizen-made radio. Welcome to Emergence News. My name is Nigel and joining me in the studio today to discuss the ongoing emergence of the next world teacher, Maitreya, are my colleagues, Shear International Volunteers here in Christchurch, New Zealand, Aotearoa, John and Peter, and we'll catch up with them in just a moment. Today's topic is climate change. And in recent memory, I can't remember having so many options and so many directions I could go in to talk about this topic. So I'm hoping you guys can do the detail stuff because I'm going to look at the big picture. Now, first up, um, I'm, I had a look at my Maitreya's Mission Volume 2. Benjamin Krems, the author, and he says, according to Maitreya, most of us cannot see that a simpler, saner lifestyle is a sustainable future. Maitreya says the guiding principle must be that of sufficiency and not waste. At present, the world's economic system is governed by waste, which creates various pollution problems. And food-producing nations such as New Zealand is a very good example of this. For more detail on this subject, you can read Maitreya's Mission Volume 2. You can get a copy online. There are chapters there on the effects on the environment there. The economic change chapter asserts, for example, the essence of market forces is greed. Formulated as an economic theory in response to the greed of rich nations and rich individuals. Calm down, John. I know, I'm breathing heavily over here. Yeah, I know, it's not a subject you enjoy. According to Benjamin Krem's master, he says market forces is actually doomed and can no longer hold sway. Doomed as an economic theory because they have no relevance for the future time. More and more people, including political commentators, are denouncing the blind and dangerous following of market forces. And I remember not so long ago we had a uh, we had election campaigns based on the word on that phrase, mm-hmm. market forces. Mm-hmm. So, as I said earlier today, my colleagues Peter and John are going to join me to focus on the subject, the subject, this topical current subject, climate change. According to a former Green MP, New Zealand Green MP, Gareth Hughes, he says this year in our election campaign, it's going to be set against a backdrop of climate emergency because we have so many communities, especially in the North Island, still picking up the pieces. Climate change, he says, will sit alongside the economy as the two most important issues for voters this year, curing voters especially, in the wake of Cyclone Gabriel. So John, I'll cross to you first. Global warming, it's no longer an academic theory, is it? You can't have an economy 
without a stable environment. I pick having a stable environment and then thinking about the economy. We're in real, real trouble here. Mm. And I'm going to explore the troublemakers with some of the information I've got. Well, if you were thinking of turning the dial down or going out to make a cup of tea, don't. (laughs) Some of my Christian friends think that evil comes in a red monster with horns and breathing fire. Actually, evil's likely to arrive in a European car wearing a very nice suit carrying a briefcase. Anyway, I'll explore that a bit later. (laughs) And climate change, Peter, um, these uh, governments everywhere, they've been slow to respond haven't they, over the years? We've we've gone many election campaigns here in New Zealand, but we haven't really seen any policy rubber stamped on agriculture, transport, or energy transformations. No, well, I'm just going to have a look at... uh, I've got a short master's message here from um, Benjamin Krem's master, and also a piece out of his book, um, My Transmission Number 3. So... It gives the spiritual perspective to what is happening. Excellent. Okay, so we'll look forward to catching up with Peter in just a moment. I thought I'd read you, just before we cross to Peter, another quote from Benjamin Krem. He was, uh, back in 1993, he says, and I quote, The atmosphere is heating up. The air, the rivers and seas of the world are becoming so polluted that we are poisoning ourselves. It is simply the extraordinary resilience of the human body, mind and spirit, but particularly the physical equipment Mm. that we've been given. It is the extraordinary resilience of our physical bodies that have prevented our destruction before this time. This is Emergence News. Today's topic is climate change. Peter, over to you. Thanks very much, Nigel. This is from uh, Share International, the magazine that we often talk about. The Justice of the Law, by the Master through Benjamin Krem. Men live in a changing world and must accept it as the norm. For some, these changes will seem threatening and unwelcome, while for others, especially the young, they will be welcomed with open arms. Be assured that they are for the best. Whatever your stance, for they reflect the needs of the time and are inevitable and just. Men should realise that they themselves are creating the conditions whereby these changes impact their lives. When this realism bears fruit, a smoother transition into the new time will become the norm. Our advice to men is this. Hold not to blaming unseen forces, but realise your own part in creating the transformations of our time. Be assured that out of these transformations will come an ecstatic joy. Now, from Benjamin Krem's book, My Transmission Number Three, he more or less carries on in the same vein. We have direct effect on our environment very soon under the tuition of Maitreya and the masters around him. Humanity will come to understand that what we call God What we call nature, our environment, and what we call humanity are one. There is no separation between these. Everything, according to Maitreya, is interconnected. Every atom, every particle within every atom is related to every other particle throughout cosmos. Therefore, what happens to one aspect of creation 
inevitably has an effect on another. Humanity is part of its everyday environment. We call it nature. The destructive thought forms of humanity to create the conditions of imbalance and tension in the world. The imbalance between the developed world and the third world. The poverty and suffering which ensues from that imbalance and therefore the thought forms of pain, agony and of destruction pour into the mind belt of the world. They affect what they are called the Devic Elementals whose work it is to control the weather patterns of the world. They are the elemental forces which control and organise the patterns of nature. They are energy forces and respond to human thought. When our thoughts are in equilibrium, they are in equilibrium. When our thoughts are destructive and chaotic, as today, the divas go out of equilibrium. This has resulted in a complete distortion of our world's weather. For instance, we see floods, major earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, torrential rain where there has never been known, lack of rain where it was normal. Hurricanes, all of these phenomena have been with us since we can remember, but in controlled patterns. All of that is gone. There is no set pattern in the world's weather today. And that's why John said earlier, we're in trouble. Yes. Because the, the governing law of this planet is the law of cause and effect. Mm. So those thought patterns that you're talking about is just sending th things not just out of balance now, but it's, it's chaos, isn't it? It is. But exactly. also food production requires settled, seasonal, predictable, seasonal weather patterns. Yes. So food production um, is and will be greatly affected by this. That's right, yes. So when we come into equilibrium by creating the conditions of equilibrium, living together in peace, sharing the resources of the world, creating therefore, thereby harmony in the world. The divas will return to their preordained forms and patterns and create equilibrium once again. They respond directly to human thought. Thank you, Peter. More big picture stuff there. Excellent. As we continue to investigate climate change. What a topic it is, it's so topical, isn't it? Here in New Zealand, we're still getting over the turmoil of cycling Gabriel. Well, climate change has um, really appeared in New Zealand. In force. In the last Constantly. little while. And when you think about it, Nigel, we're a series of long, narrow islands in a very big ocean. Um, so yes, climate change is going to have a major impact on us. Yeah, lots of microclimates. And we've made the mistake of building our biggest city, Auckland, in the narrowest and shallowest part of the country. Mm. So um, you heard it here first, listeners. I predict we're going to abandon Auckland in the next 10 years. That's my prediction. And that's been a prediction by esotericist author Benjamin Krem way back in the late 80s, early 90s. He was yeah. talking about Coastal cities. the yep. necessity for retreat. Mm. I've got another quote for you just before I hand over to you, John, from Benjamin Krem, and he said back in the 1990s, what are the he was asked, what are the major hazards now? 
and his answer was pollution of the air, seas and soil. This is the number one hazard for humanity and is responsible for the ill health of millions and the premature deaths of countless thousands. It's worth pondering on that, isn't mm -hmm. it? He's talking about the ill health of millions of citizens on planet Earth mm -hmm. are suffering and also the premature deaths of countless thousands. A slow poisoning of the world's population is taking place. Yeah. Okay, climate change. It's in your corner now, John. Okay, this is a topic that should be dear to all of us. And I think the number of people uh, on the planet starting to take it seriously is rapidly increasing. Unfortunately, global leadership, for the most part, is not taking it too seriously. And to me, that speaks of the level of corruption that is endemic on this planet. Uh, personally, over the years studying Maitreya's teachings, I've found solace in a couple of ideas. The first one's from Benjamin Krem. And I picked up some ideas off Wikipedia recently, which I've expressed before. So the first one, Benjamin Krem's observation that our civilization is collapsing. And that to me explains why so much is simultaneously not working all over the planet. And to misquote Maitreya, why all manner of things are not well. The second one is from Wikipedia, and it's a word that I've used before, and the word is oligarchy. Here's the definition. Oligarchy is a form of power structure in which power rests with a small number of people. These people may be distinguished by nobility, wealth, family ties, education or corporate, religious, political or military control. Those two ideas are ideas that sit with me that give me a degree of sanity. So back to climate change and corruption. I have two articles, one from Scientific America 2023 report and the other one's from Bloomberg quoting an Oxfam report. So I'll give them to our listeners in the bad news, good news format. And at the end, you'll probably hear me snort with derision uh, and end up saying something along the lines of, that'll be the day. But anyway, this thing was written in 2015, my people. And Exxon knew about climate change almost 40 years ago. Exxon was aware of climate change as early as 1977. Now, that's 11 years before it was presented to the UN. According to a recent investigation from Inside Climate News, this knowledge did not prevent the company, now uh, Xenon Mobile, Exxon Mobil, sorry, the world's largest oil and gas company, from spending decades refusing to publicly acknowledge climate change and even promoting climate misinformation, an approach many have likened to the deliberate lies spread by the tobacco industry. And how can that be? How can they continue to deny that? What's the motivation behind the denial? Money, 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 Nigel. It's got to be profit-driven. Huge, big chunks of it yeah. floating around in people's pockets. At the expense of the people. At the expense of life. Experts, however, aren't terribly surprised. I'm not alone in my deeply meaningful cynicism. Okay. Naomi Oreske, a history uh, of science professor at Harvard University, said it's never been remotely plausible that they did not understand the science. And as it turns out, Xenon 
the Exxon didn't just understand the science, the company actively engaged with it. In the 1970s and 80s, it employed top scientists to look into the issue and launched its own ambitious research program that empirically sampled carbon dioxide and built rigorous climate models. The company even spent more than a million dollars on a tanker project to try and tackle how much CO2 is absorbed by the oceans. It was one of the biggest scientific questions at the time, meaning the company was truly conducting unprecedented research. Mm. In this eight-month-long investigation, reporters from Inside Climate News interviewed former uh, company employees, scientists and federal officials and analysed hundreds of pages of internal documents. They found the company's knowledge of climate change dates back to July 1977, and they named this guy, when senior scientist James Black delivered a sobering message on the topic. So this is an internal dialogue. In the first place, he says, there is general scientific agreement that the most likely manner in which mankind is influencing the global climate is through carbon dioxide release from the burning of fossil fuels. Black told the company's management committee. A year later, he warned the company that doubling CO2 gases in the atmosphere would increase average global temperatures by two or three degrees. This is research that is now consistent with scientific consensus today. That's 50 years ago. Yeah. He continued to warn the company that present thinking holds that man has a time window of five to ten years before the need for hard decision-making regarding changes in energy strategies might become critical. In other words, the company needed to act. One thing is certain. In July 1988, when NASA scientist James Hansen told a congressional hearing that the planet was already warming, Xenon, sorry, Exxon became a leader in campaigns of confusion. It also helped prevent the US from signing the International Treaty on Climate, known as the Kyoto Protocol 1998, to control greenhouse gases. The company's tactic not only worked on the US, but also stopped other countries, such as China and India, signing the treaty. What's uh, interesting there, the researchers concluded, is a memo, we found a memo of a coalition of fossil fuel companies where they pledged basically to launch a big communications effort to sow doubt. There's even a quote in it that says something along the lines of, victory will be achieved when the average person is uncertain about climate science. So it's pretty stark. Now, we had a member of parliament here in New Zealand last week comment on climate change and saying she hasn't read the research. Where's the science, she said. That indicates that this is a human issue. Mm. So that program has been phenomenally um, successful. The company spent more than $30 million on think tanks to promote climate denial. The other interesting thing that's really staggering is that half of the greenhouse gas emissions in our atmosphere were released after 1988. The company rep still claims the investigation's findings are just patently untrue, misleading. We reject them completely. Words that match the same statements made decades ago. So, even though we've been in and had a fiddle through their uh, 
their um, personal documents, they're still denying it. Finally, this uh, another report coming through from Bloomberg through Oxfam, and actually we can afford to fix it. Well, actually they can afford to fix it. The profit from six large oil companies in the first half of 2022 was enough to offset the financial impacts of global warming fueled extreme weather events in low-income countries over the same period, with $70 billion left over. Economic losses in the 55 most climate-vulnerable countries have totaled more than half a trillion dollars over the past two decades, yet the fossil fuels industry's profits were enough to counterbalance that almost 60 times over. Oxfam finished with, it's an injustice that the polluters who are disproportionately responsible for the escalating greenhouse gas emissions continue to reap these enormous profits while climate vulnerable countries, and maybe that's us too, Nigel, are left to foot the bill for the climate impacts destroying people's lives, homes and jobs. So in other words, they've made enough money to fix the problem. All we have to do is tax them. And I'm going to finish with the statement, apart from that'll be the day, uh, I'm going to finish with polluters must pay. Polluters must pay. Well, you know, you're talking about the... You're talking about the people losing their jobs, their homes. That's exactly what's happening here in our country. A third of Pakistan was underwater. Mm. Last year, a year ago? Yeah, last year. And due almost entirely to climate change. Um, We have lost parts of this country in the last six months due to human activity-induced climate change phenomena. And even the insurance companies acknowledge that now. Yeah. They're not willing to insure a number of properties on, on our coasts. So the big industries that are reaping massive profits from this damage to the planet have not and will not change their ways. And let me now say that evil arrives in a nice suit and a flash car carrying a briefcase because this behaviour is counter to human life. Therefore, it's evil. Right, you promised a good news story. That was the good news. They can afford to pay for it. That's the only good news. Thank you, John. As we continue to discuss climate change, and before we wrap up, I just uh, wanted to make mention of a subject that we brought up briefly in the previous program about Cat Stevens donating a peace train to the to the Christchurch City City Council, mm-hmm. and it was in response to the mosque. Yes shootings and not the earthquakes and he did a memorial service where he performed at Hagley Park in the sunshine Mm. and um, the peace train has been uh, used on a number of occasions. Our producer tells us that she's seen Chugger Mm -hmm. at the Botanic Gardens in Hagley Park so just um, updating on that and um, before we go um, your assertions uh, the reality is it's pretty grim isn't it and it's hard to imagine how we're going to when I say we humanity mm-hmm. how we are going to improve things you know especially when you think of the you know just quickly going back to politics the New Zealand Green Party you would think they would be united in this wouldn't you last year they were so divided 
that James Shaw nearly lost his job. Mm. And Ross Norman before him and James Shaw currently are, for my money, effective Green MPs in this country. The, the answer really is, Nigel, and we've talked about it before in this program, the answer is the voice of the people. We are sitting back and hoping that our leadership, be it political or economic leadership, is going to make the changes. And I now don't think that is possible. What Maitreya has said right from the start is change will come from the people. People power. And from the voice of the people. Mm. And we are seeing um, that voice rising right throughout the world. There are demonstrations happening in most countries all over the world right now regarding freedom, freedom of thought, freedom of behaviour. And I think the other thing that we need to come back to is a simpler lifestyle that is not so energy rich. And I think the other thing that the fossil fuel industry has robbed us from is the search for and development of other means of producing energy. We haven't looked for anything else because they have dominated the vision and the language around energy production. And, and probably energy. lobbying governments to prevent subsidies. Oh, absolutely. So um, change is coming. Change is going to be um, uh, large on all aspects of our life. But I'm optimistic that I will live a better life in years to come. All this information can be found on the SHARE International website, www.share-international.org. And also don't forget the podcasts, which are available on the Plains FM website. We welcome your comments, questions and feedback. Please contact us at emergencenews at gmail.com. Emergency News.